Hi, I'm Guy Powell, and welcome to the next episode of The Backstory on Marketing. If you haven't already done so, please visit ProRelevant.com and sign up for all of these episodes and podcasts. I am the author of the newly released book, The Post-COVID Marketing Machine, Prepare Your Team to Win. You can find more information on this at marketingmachine.prorelevant.com. There are so many decisions marketers need to make. Should they spend more on paid digital, paid social, paid search? How do they all come together? Whether you're a small or large marketer, if you get this mix right, you can drive significant incremental sales. Today, I'm interviewing Brian Davidson of Matchnode, and he is the authority on Facebook ads. And in the, uh, in the interviewing couple of seconds, we were talking about some incredible stuff that Facebook has coming up. So anyway, let me tell you about Brian. So Brian is the co-founder of Matchnode, and they are a digital marketing agency that is changing the way people and organizations leverage social media. Brian and his team have worked on digital ad campaigns for influential brands such as New Balance, the Chicago Bulls, the Chicago Blackhawks, Lending Tree, and Indiana Interview, uh, and sorry, Indiana University. Welcome, Brian. Thank you for having me, Guy. Tell us first uh, your backstory in marketing. How did you get involved in uh, marketing? So I graduated Indiana University in 2004 with degrees in entrepreneurship and marketing, but I had no interest in technology to the point where I didn't even own a laptop. But after college, I actually went out to Colorado and I was a ski bum for two years. When I moved back to Chicago and I thought I was going to work at a big marketing agency, well, magically, they didn't love seeing ski bum at the top of my resume. And I ended up getting a job literally answering the phone, working in customer service for a small but growing company that helped high school athletes find sports scholarships. So kind of like a match.com for high school athletes. And they were just getting into digital. They had basically Google search ads going to a terrible landing page with Windows Media Player on autoplay. So the digital transition was just beginning for them. And this is 2006. So in the background, the Web 2.0 revolution is beginning. I remember seeing things for the first time and just being all in. I remember my favorite writer uh, quitting ESPN and starting his own blog. I'm like, what's a blog? I remember coding my first MySpace page to put an MP3 player on my profile. And I don't know how to code. So I'm just grabbing bits and pieces all over the place and trying to make it work. Uh, as a graduation present, my dad actually gave me a lifetime membership to the Alumni Association, which really didn't give you much, but it gave me a .edu email address. So I was actually able to join Facebook about a year before the cohort my age. So as this is happening, I'm just totally enthralled, all in, learning it about all the time. And I eventually went to my boss and I said, I think we need a social media apartment. So it took a little bit of convincing, but finally said, okay, kid, you're in charge. And I became the director of social media. This is back in 2007. Uh, and I loved it ever since. I remember running the very first Facebook right-hand rail desktop only ads. Uh, and now we're here. Yeah, it's, uh, it is pretty amazing. And, uh, and nowadays uh, for our clients, uh, paid social and especially Facebook are uh, probably one of the strongest and most effective media channels that the, that they have. It's really amazing how it, even going back to uh, early 2000s and now 20 years later, it is still a, uh, a very strong channel for, uh, for large brands and for small brands. So Absolutely. tell us a little bit about uh, you know, how lead generation and online purchase uh, works through social media. Yeah, well, uh, you know, there's a common thread that Facebook is declining. 
from what I can see on, on my end, uh, it is doing nothing but accelerating. Uh, the tools that they're making available, the changes that they're making are, are getting better and better and better. Their call ads that just launched, they just launched a new lead ad for chat on Instagram only. Of course, they now have lead ads for chat on Facebook as well. Their lead ad products just launched something called lead filtering, which allows you to answer a question that's a leading indicator that if you're a buyer before you fill out their lead form. I actually got a deck from Facebook this week showing their product roadmap for next year. Uh, there's a product where you can start a lead on a Facebook form, but finish it on a website. So it's like a combination experience. And they're working on a whole bunch of different changes that I think make the lead space extremely exciting. Uh, then in the background, of course, there's been uh, this you know, big fight, basically, <laughs> food fight uh, with Apple over privacy that's been going on for now two and a half years. And it feels like the Facebook algorithm and the AI behind it, one, is getting better, better, and better. And two, Facebook is coming up with more and more ideas on how to combat this by grabbing signals, uh, actual platform, uh, to the point where they actually just announced some changes uh, last week that they're changing their AEM setup. And that's going to allow us to use domains in a little bit different way. It's going to really help us for our restaurant client partners uh, that send people off to third-party platforms that incorporate the pixel, but didn't necessarily share their domain back with the restaurant. Uh, so that's going to be really exciting. Uh, so a lot of changes happening really, really quickly. And I see more and more spend going to Facebook because it's still absolutely the best place for you to generate demand. Everyone will all say, yeah, Google's pretty powerful. That, that's true. But if I'm on Amazon and Walmart and everyone's launching an ad network, but those are basically harvesting existing demand where you're trying to jump ahead of your competitors. That's great. And that works. But Facebook, you can go on the news feed, be scrolling through and find a product that's brand new. Uh, funny story, I was visiting my brother in Chicago two weeks ago for a concert. I knocked, knocked on his door. He opened it up. He saw the shirt I was wearing. He goes, Coastal Crew? I said, yep, Instagram ads. Same, just bought the exact same shirt. <laughs> that's pretty funny. That is really funny. You know, it's interesting how um, when you think about uh, Google versus Facebook versus Apple, they're kind of the, uh, the, the really the three big advertising titans and maybe Bing a little bit with Microsoft, but uh, certainly those three. And, um, you know, and each of them have a, a very different position. No question that Facebook is definitely up there. And then Google, of course, with uh, with paid search is definitely, a, you know, a critical channel as well. So, uh, yeah, it, it is fascinating. And then but I, I, I agree with you, though, the ability to target so precisely on Facebook, I think, is uh, is really good. Well, it's and, funny uh, how that's evolved over the years, because we used to be an agency that really, really focused on our targeting and our custom conversions and how we optimized and we realized that the platform was getting so advanced that targeting was not really done at the ad set level by picking out a demographic anymore. It was actually done at the creative level by having really good creative that targeted a very specific persona and testing those personas uh, to the point where most of our targeting at the ad set level now on Facebook is completely broad, 18 to 65 plus. We might go 21 plus if uh, there's alcohol involved. Other than that, we let the, we let the algorithm do its thing and focus on making really great thumb-stopping creative. Oh, that is fascinating. Um, yeah, that uh, and that makes a lot of sense because you're right. The uh, you know the AI and the technology that Facebook is doing, you do, you just let it run and let it do its thing. That's uh, that's really interesting. Yeah. So uh, now, do you see it being different for like B two B companies versus uh, consumer companies? 
you know, is there a big difference there? There is. Uh, the bigger your addressable market there is, uh, the more success you're going to have on paid social. So if your product can sell to a pretty wide audience and, and, and you're B2B, uh, like you're selling computers to every business in the country, uh, yeah, I think you're going to be very successful on paid social. If you're extremely niche, it's going to be tougher. Uh, but I just got a new B2B client. We're selling direct some software to independent uh, insurance brokers. And we're crushing on Facebook. I launched campaigns on LinkedIn uh, and on Facebook, and Facebook is far outperforming. So if you have a big enough addressable market, you can certainly be successful. If you're really niche, you probably want to be using some slightly different tools like Facebook's custom audience tools and trying to build out your list or even just email marketing through uh, building uh, lead ads on Facebook and then remarketing to those people. So it's definitely a, a much longer game uh, of building up that credibility if, you, if you're very, very niche, but it can be done. Mm. Yeah, because uh, uh, thank you for that. That uh, and and also interesting how you're comparing uh, Facebook and LinkedIn. So, uh, where, do you see both of them acting in similar spaces, or do you see LinkedIn being better LinkedIn, for one, one thing versus another? Yeah, LinkedIn's algorithm is not nearly as powerful. Uh, I find that the LinkedIn lead ad product, we're capturing a lead on platform, is probably their their most relevant uh, ad product for most brands. Their CPMs are off the charts, sometimes mm. double, triple, quadruple what Facebook's are. And that makes sense. There's, you spend less time on the platform, so just less total impressions. And you're also battling with other advertisers, i.e. recruiters, that get paid really well to recruit people on LinkedIn. And you're battling for them for that CPM. Hmm. Oh, that's interesting. You know, it's always funny to see an industry where you have somebody that's totally outside the industry that is affecting your industry and hadn't right. thought about the uh, about that with recruiting. Uh, you know, one of the things, and I'll talk about uh, even Amazon uh, as well, is uh, one of the things, if you're building a user interface for your website, the standard now is Amazon. If your website, if you're an e-commerce site and you don't do as well as Amazon, then you're basically going to be losing people just, just because you, you don't have that, that sophisticated, really smooth, really easy kind of user interface. Now, of course, Amazon is also an ad channel. How do you see that fitting in with uh, what you're doing? We really don't use it for a lot for our customer base, um, mainly because it's just the types of brands that we look for. Um, generally speaking, we're trying to generate demand for people rather than harvest that demand. Uh, so of course, a lot of CPG brands uh, really thrive on Amazon. Uh, that's really not the space that we play in, but of course it is growing. But at the end of the day, you're now trusting Amazon. You don't own that customer. You're not getting that data. Amazon owns that data. So to the extent that we advise clients uh, that are moving in that direction, we tell them you want to own that relationship as much as possible. And your website, yeah, it's going to be harder to compete with that conversion rate on Amazon, but owning that data is so important. So you want to build a great mobile-first converting website. Yeah, very interesting. And I like your point, too, about who owns the data. And, um, you know, so I've got a couple of books up there on Amazon. And, uh, and you're right, you don't know who bought it. And you can't then retarget them. You can't do anything with them. You just know that there was a sale. And so uh, you're right. That's a, that is a really good point. I've now, how does uh, How can people leverage Facebook ads to sell on Amazon? And I said, I've got some ideas on what might work, but I don't know if it's going to work because at the end of the day, that's all their data. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, and that makes a lot of sense. So how do you see Facebook versus Instagram and the uh, the metaverse uh, to be leveraged for some of your clients? Well, metaverse is going to be a ways out there. And I've bought the HTC Vive. I bought the first Oculus. I bought the second Oculus. I've got the current <laughs> Oculus. I will buy the super advanced expensive one when it comes out because I'm all in. I believe that is the future, but that future is a long way away, especially for monetization. Uh, I actually still get a, a little sick, like I'm flying in the air uh, <laughs> when I'm playing around with it. Uh, there's the Iron Man game. That's pretty darn cool. I'm flying around. I'm like, ooh, I feel like I just went on a roller coaster. So I'll put that out there. But Facebook and Instagram, I, I really just look at them as one and the same of working together to find that user. Uh, it's so funny to me that the, the products are so similar and how they try to encourage cross-posting. And it, what's really cool and interesting to me uh, just as a consumer, I kind of keep tabs on things. You know, when you post your story to Instagram or your story to Facebook, you can actually look which one of your friends took a view on it. And it's funny how different content gets viewed by different people on different platforms. And I'll see someone on Facebook uh, like something and then not see for a moment, you know, maybe he doesn't post much on Facebook. He only posts on Instagram, but he's actually spending time on there because I can see his likes. So it's interesting how they, how they both work together. And even Facebook Messenger is the preferred uh, messaging platform for a lot of people, as, as well as their SMS for a lot of people, so particularly Android people. So uh, I view them as just one big product trying to gain our attention over time. Yeah, interesting. And uh, that seems to be what the uh, the play is as well with some of our clients that uh, that they really do kind of uh, really fit together. Now, uh, so give us a case study. Uh, you mentioned uh, when we were off air that you had one client where you were able to triple their revenue through uh, through what you were doing. Well, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of case studies on our website. Uh Probably my favorite case study is the first business that we ever really worked with that was a, a big, big business, uh, and that was LendingTree. Uh, those were the first big, big, big ad dollars we started spending on Facebook, and that gave me confidence that what we could do, what we did as an agency was world-class, and the brands that we could work with going forward would be world-class, and we could point to really specific revenue targets that absolutely crushed it. Um, but our tactics with them have, have changed dramatically over the years, and, and they've had to change dramatically. We're leveraging Facebook's conversions API in a big way for them to target more valuable leads. Uh, our creative has evolved over the years. Video used to be absolute number one. When Facebook changed the 20% text rule, uh, images came back number one. We've got our Facebook reps yapping in our ear nonstop, telling us to run more boomerangs and run more reels. Still don't see a lot of ROI there. But it's interesting how you know our relationship has changed over the years, as well as the products we've worked on over the years. We've worked on basically every product LendingTree has, from bank deposits to auto loans to large home equity loans. Uh, it's been interesting, especially in the, even seeing the waves of the economy ride through their products. Uh, obviously, zero percent interest time to uh, quite high interest rate time right now. Uh, so it's been interesting view into the macro economy as well. Yeah, interesting. And uh, Lending Tree, uh, definitely a, a a big brand, big advertiser. Um, and how do you see uh, the? How do you see then things working 
together or maybe not so much between let's say you know paid social on 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 facebook versus their uh, their tv or their connected tv or some of the other things going do you see a lot of synergy or is that a little less uh, uh, a little more difficult to see a little more difficult to see they did do a very large national ad campaign uh, last summer, leveraging Molly Shannon. Uh, it was a very good summer for us. Interest rates were very different, so it's hard to say that was the catalyst. Um, but what we do see a ton of efficiency is just collaboration throughout the teams. Mm. Display team, working with the native team, working with the email team, working with the social team, and understanding the tactics that are working for each. And sometimes it's actually very different. Sometimes it's really similar. And sometimes we learn cross product as to what's working. So uh, just a lot of sharing within the organization, which is cool. Yeah, and I think, uh, uh, and the same with, with our clients as well, uh, when you are sharing uh, across the different agencies, because each agency has a very strong specialty and really knows their, their, their domain, so to speak. And uh, when you can share then what's working and what may not be working or what's coming up, uh, that synergy can really, really drive a lot of uh, a lot of business for the client. No question about it. Absolutely, one hundred percent. And uh, you know, it's funny how many businesses you work with that synergy doesn't exist, and they can be a mm. lot smaller. Uh, so being deli- being deliberate about that sharing is is really important. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely, absolutely. So uh, where do you see things going here in the next uh, couple of years? So what's uh, what are the big things coming up? Well, I think AI continues to be the topic of the day, but really the topic of the future. And uh, there's debates about morality and could it be the end of the human race at the extreme side? But uh, on the flip side, could this be super productive? Could this kill inflation because it's so deflationary? Whatever side of the argument you're on, it's coming. And I don't think governments can be able to stop anything from coming really, really quick. Uh, and if our government manages to put on some brakes, there's going to be another government where the brakes aren't, aren't being uh, applied. So it's coming. And yeah, I was just even reading an article just before this call on Bloomberg about Facebook starting to design its own chips to do a couple of things. One, it's to make better recommendations within the algorithm, but two, to make better recommendations to their coders who are coding all the different products. So that's happening really quick. The uh, generation of new images and videos and taking an image and making it a video. Uh, actually, I just joined a Slack group with a bunch of Chicago marketers. Uh, we're all just sharing our AI t- tips and tricks back and forth because it it's changing so quickly. Uh, starting to play around with uh, AI for just idea generation. You know, writing something in and seeing what Dolly spits out back at me. Oh, you know, that's kind of interesting. And showing that to our design team, like, could we make it look a little bit more like this? So that sort of recommendation engine is, I think, where we're at right now, but it's going to get better and better and better as we go, and it's going to be fast. Yeah, and I I, I think you're right, and I think the uh, there's a couple of things, at least in the short term, where I think... Um, uh, you know, AI is not going to take that, not going to take jobs. I think it's actually going to add jobs. I think, and I don't know, I, you know, I think it was in the 60s or the 70s when computers first came out. And, you know, you had these big IBM mainframes and everybody was going to say the office workers are going away. And yet today there's probably more office workers than less office workers uh, percentage wise. And, uh, and, and so then the computers at that time, and now of course, laptops and cell phones and iPads, they have significantly improved our productivity so we can do more. 
And to your point, it, uh, you know, you, you talked about government uh, com competition as it relates to AI, but even just generally competition. I mean, I have to be as a marketer, I have to be up and I have to be better than the competition every day. And if AI can help me do that, um, I'm going to do it. And so, uh, you know, I, I definitely see, you know, your point and, and I think, I think you're right. It, it, it is going to be something that's just going to be accelerating everything that's going on. I had a client tell me, uh, we went out to lunch and he told me, you know, Brian, I don't think AI is going to take jobs, but those who don't embrace AI, they're going to lose their jobs. Mm. That is a very good point. That is a very good point. I think you're right. And, and, you know, too, even going back, you know, 20, 30 years again, back to, uh, you know, when the computer was supposed to take everybody's jobs, I think exactly that happened. Those people that didn't learn how to use a computer, they did either lose their jobs or were, you know, needed to kind of get Jumped relegated over, to somewhere else. Yeah, they was hammered and they weren't a high producer, so they didn't get promoted and vicious cycle. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And, uh, um, and so, uh, so how do you see agencies then embracing AI as we move forward, just in general? Well, I think there's probably going to be a wave of tools that are overhyped, and there's going to be a wave of tools that can really help really quickly. So, uh, you know, just taking notes on calls right now, I've got an AI note taker that we're pretty sold on. Uh, so usually we have two people from our agency always on every single call. Uh, so if something got missed, there was some notes on it and someone else could listen in. I don't need someone on every call. I can have the AI listen to it. I assume Zoom will build it into its product pretty darn shortly. So that's amazing. I could see email marketing being completely transformed through generative AI, creating uh, basically emails that are personalized to every single person based on what it sees in the platform. Uh, the image creators, I, th I think, are going to get better and better and better. So their marketer doesn't necessarily need to have a designer to get an ad live. They can feed all the assets into the AI and have it spit something out. Uh, but we did a trial one last week. Uh, I don't want to say their name because it's disparage them because I like everyone mm -hmm. that's innovating. Uh, we tried it like, eh, not there yet. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I think there's going to be some things that come really, really quick that we can use, like using ChatGPT to write copy right now. Mm. Perfect sense. Uh, mm. Using Baird uh, on Google because it's up to date and using the live web to interpret things. Uh, I had Baird actually summarize a podcast for me the other day. That podcast went live yesterday. I put the podcast link into Baird. It said summarize this podcast for me. Uh, and it gave me a, a you know, cool little transcript and I sent out a tweet with it. So I, I think there's going to be a ton of stuff right away that we can start using, but there's going to be some limits and it's going to get better, but I think it's going to get better mm. fast. Yeah, um, we were talking with one of our clients, and unfortunately, they're in the financial services industry. But I agree with you uh, that the AI, the generative AI, can really write your code for your emails. Unfortunately, this client is in uh, in the financial services and said, oh, my God, <laughs> I need to get my uh, lawyers to be able to approve every piece of copy that goes out. And, uh, you know, and they wouldn't be able to uh, take advantage of all of those different variants that might come up because there's there are so many different ways to, uh, you know, to write copy and copy like like you're saying that is perfectly positioned directly for that individual uh, is exactly what AI can do. And especially for email, which is so nice. 100 percent. But even when you just a lot laid out, that's a perfect business opportunity. What about an AI that's compliant for a specific industry? that knows exactly what it can say and what it can't say. And then all of a sudden you're cutting out a bunch of lawyers. Mm. Yeah, right, 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 right. Well, I think though, uh, 
<laughs> lawyers will always expand into the space given. <laughs> so uh, I, I don't know I if you'll ever drums. cut them out. <laughs> it's a dream. I would love it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, all right. Well, that is, that's just fascinating. So now uh, uh, you also, it looks like you're doing some really cool stuff for um, social media with uh, sports teams and restaurant groups. Tell us how you see uh, uh, paid social being used and really uh, them supporting them in a, in a big way. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Uh, so we first started working with the Chicago Bulls. Uh, that led us to working with the Chicago Blackhawks. That started working. Uh, that led to us working with the United Center, selling premium suites. And it's interesting how when we started out, I assumed it would all be kind of lower price tickets, uh, because the majority of tickets were going to in, in the great seats were going to season ticket holders. Uh, but I started seeing more and more uh, throughout the process that we were able to target higher and higher net worth people purchasing tickets uh, at quite a bit uh, higher values. Like when we started with the United Center. We weren't even sure if we could sell suites online. Like, does someone feel comfortable making a $35,000 down payment on, on a luxury suite? Uh, turns out they were, and they do have an e-commerce product, and it works. Hmm. Um, and it's very important for all these teams, uh, depending on their relationship with the ticket brokers, to jump those ticket brokers in, in a lot of ways. And luckily, they have great quality scores, so they're able to do so. So we're able to use social to uh, you know, get a good return on ad spend. Uh, and make sure that we're driving those brands forward. But it's equally important for them to be on search and using that quality score to jump those ticket brokers and keep as much of that revenue in-house. Yeah, interesting. And how does that work for uh, restaurant groups? Uh, restaurant groups are very different. Um, so the key thing that we unlocked last year was using seven rooms to optimize for reservations. And we were able to work uh, with some pretty large groups. Uh, what if Syndicate would probably be the largest group that we were working with. And Maple and Ash was their uh, featured steakhouse. Uh, and they've got a couple locations across the country. It's absolutely fantastic. And we were able to leverage their platform seven rooms to optimize for reservations. And generally speaking, the restaurants that we work with, if they're serving alcohol and they've got a high enough average ticket, we're able to really profitably book covers for them. Uh, and mm -hmm. lean it again into the algorithm. Uh, but some of the smaller restaurants, we work with much smaller budgets. So we work with Chicago Cubs uh, ownership group and the restaurants that they own uh, around Wrigley Field uh, in what was Gall in Gallagher Way Park across the street. Uh, basically, there's a small little campus there. Uh, so we're originally there actually just promoting locally. So we're trying to book you know, smaller reservations or promote private events and, and things of that nature. Yeah, interesting. And, uh, you know, and, and I think, uh, especially now, uh, you know, coming out, well, we're, we're definitely past COVID, but, um, you know, you can see uh, uh, restaurants and other venues, you know, just having trouble uh, kind of getting their momentum, uh, you know, going again. And, and even then the new restaurants that are opening up in the old spaces, you know, they're, they need to get their revenue going. And I think what you're talking about is a good way for them uh, to do that. Um, have you thought about uh, doing that for recruiting? Because one of the challenges that restaurants have is recruiting enough talent so that they can yeah. actually have all their tables full. We actually have run some small scale ads uh, for servers and it's worked well. Fantastic. Fantastic. So uh, one of the uh, interesting things that uh, is also, I mean, chat GPT and AI is like, you know, really the next big step. And so there's some really cool stuff going on there. But the other thing that's really driving the market as well is uh, social responsibility. 
uh, tell us about how that works and how social and, uh, and other advertising might uh, be able to help brands uh, in that space. Well, as, as an agency, we really try to focus on conversion. We are not the type of agency that's going to come to a brand with our, our vision of how they're going to change their brand by promoting you know, XX or Y social issue. They come to us and they say, let's make this sell on social media. And whether we're taking one of those messages and promote it that might include it, uh, that's not for us to say. Is it a larger Absolutely. We see it more and more and more. But generally speaking, uh, that's more of a branding play, whereas we are trying to drive the highest return on ad spend, drive the highest quality lead, uh, make a big imprint in your business rather than that higher level branding. If mm. that type of messaging works for conversion and we want to test it, absolutely right up our alley. And we'll tell you, this actually is working better. Oh, this is actually working worse. Uh, as we can see uh, from all the headlines, sometimes it, it can uh, really negatively affect your brand uh, as Anheuser-Busch is seeing recently. So it depends on the message. It depends on how you go about doing it. Uh, but as an agency, we just try to take your messaging and your creative and reform it for paid social so you can crush it. Mm. Yeah, interesting. And uh, I see your point about, you know, upper funnel versus lower funnel. And um, uh, uh, certainly upper funnel, uh, a lot of the major brands have really begun investing in a lot of different ways and in social responsibility. And then where you're going is, is more on the lower funnel pieces. How do I get these great prospective customers to then actually convert and buy and yeah. and engage yeah I'm talking to a particular client right now that is basically a, a more sustainable type of shampoo so that's going to be of course the, the number one message yeah yeah. yeah but uh maybe sustainable won't be as important as being more portable and portable will win out i'm not sure so that's the type of thing that we help brands find out yeah, absolutely. Well, fantastic. So then um, uh, before we close, I've got two kind of uh, standard questions. Uh, so what do you see as the new normal in marketing? I think it's the same as it always has been, change. If you don't love change, don't start in marketing. Uh, there's some core principles that are always going to be here, but the tools that we use and the environment that we're selling into is going to evolve and evolve rapidly. And that's what I love about it because it, it, make, it forces you to be a lifelong learner. But for some people, that is not their jam. And I understand that, but I love it. <laughs> I agree with you, uh, you know, a lifelong learner. And, um, uh, and I, I, think that, I think that's almost uh, kind of what's happening in the market in terms of the new normal and how you can uh, you know, we had to learn a lot in terms of reacting to uh, COVID. Now we're in the, the, then there was a post-COVID. And I think now we are, you know, post-post-COVID, which I'm terming as the new normal. And, and I, I definitely agree with you. you uh, lifelong learning is, is critical. And uh, it is really the only way. And especially now when you got chat GPT, I mean, we have to learn a whole new thing got it. Uh, to, got it. to stay up. Yeah. And then uh, my last question is, so what kind of advice would you give an up-and-coming marketer? Somebody just about to get into the space and wants to uh, really, you know, make a career of it. I'm going to cheat a little bit, and I'm going to use advice that was given to me in college by my professor, uh, who was not a marketer. Uh, he, he was in oil. Uh, he sold uh, all these gas stations to BP in Indiana. Um, 
they actually donated back to the entrepreneurship school and he became my teacher. Uh, Dick Johnson is just a great guy, important in my life. And one of the messages he preached was get really, really clear on where you're going 30 years from now. And the more clear you can get on where you want to go, you'll naturally make the decisions along the way to get there. And I've absolutely done that as a marketer, going as far as I could at the first business I worked at, jumping to go work at an agency that was building some high-end tech, eventually starting MatchNode, starting another business on the side. And I was so clear on where I wanted to go. And that helped my marketing career. And I, I knew when it was time to make a move. And that's been really, really important to me. Yeah, how true, how true. It's, uh, you know, start with the end in mind. And uh, and that's exactly, uh, you know, the the way to look at that. And uh, and I, I think you're right. I think, uh, you know, a lot of young marketers kind of see it as, well, I have to get my first job as opposed to here's where I want to be in three, five or 10 years. And what are the steps that I need to do to be able to get to those different waypoints uh, along the way? Or even you just start, right? Just start. You're in a place. Great. And I know where I'm going. And now I can optimize now that I'm moving. Yeah, absolutely. And that's right. I mean, you always have to bob and weave because, uh, you know, things don't go right every once in a while. But if you can figure out how to recover. We're dealing with other people. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's the same in marketing. You know, you're dealing with competitors. As much as we'd like to think we can uh, come up with this great strategy, that strategy works until the, re the competition reacts in a way that you didn't expect. 100%. 100%. Yeah. Read and react. So, yeah, exactly. So is there anything else that you'd like to add before we close? Well, if you're interested in more MatchNode, you can read about us and our case studies on our website, which is just matchnode.com. Hope you guys got something from today. But if anyone wants to chat with me, just reach out. Fantastic. Well, Brian, uh, thank you so much. And uh, glad we were able to set this up. And it's really always great to talk to somebody that uh, really knows his stuff and, uh, and, uh, and really has a vision as well to the future. I mean, I think this AI stuff is, uh, I'm still trying to learn as much as I can. And, uh, and you've definitely helped there. And, and then also, like, uh, you know, like you said, paid social is, uh, is doing so well, and Facebook is doing so well. So, so it's not something that a marketer can, uh, can miss out on. So again, where can they reach you? Matchnode.com, M-A-T-C-H-N-O-D-E. Fantastic. Matchnode.com. So otherwise, to the audience, please stay tuned for many other videos in this series of the backstory on marketing. Please visit marketingmachine.prorelevant.com to download the first chapter of my book and other valuable excerpts. And don't forget, sign up for more episodes on this, uh, for more episodes of this and for the podcast series. And if you like this podcast, please rate it with five stars. Brian, thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Guy. Absolutely. Thank you for being on.